0: good morning good evening or good afternoon um whenever you're listening guys and welcome to the final installment of our bold black british future series here um at the voice newspaper i'm very excited because i am joined by two really really lovely ladies would you guys like to introduce yourselves
1: yes go ahead kim go on Jim O'Kay. <laughs>
0: feel free not all at once
2: <laughs> uh, okay well i'll introduce myself my name's uh jimoke i'm uh one half of the triple cripples duo hailing from the nation of nigeria a true yorubadi in um in name and in lifestyle
0: i love that yorubadi <laughs> i absolutely love that <laughs> i wish i was i wow. wish i was yoruba just so i could say that for those of you that don't know yoruba is like a tribe in nigeria <laughs>
1: Yeah, they're a really cool ethnic group. I um, fortunately am, fortunately, only an honorary member of the Yoruba ethnic group. Um, <laughs> I live my, my Yoruba life vicariously through Jamal Keister. I'm Kim. Um, I'm the other half of the dynamic duo, <laughs> Triple Cripples. Um, I am equally proud of my heritage as a Montserratian and Ghanaian, British-born, woman of extreme height and excellence (laughs) 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 oh dear yeah so yeah i we are um sisters in in more than just um a name i think chmokane either we've been born to different um parental units are very much connected in spirit so yeah triple cripples would not be what it is if both of us were not joined umbilically in the spirit realm. Asher. Yes. Asher, asher, asher. Oh, I love that.
0: Also, mm. I feel like if you're an or- honorary Yoruba person, it's almost like being a VIP one. This is what I say. So,
1: <laughs> Jamaka has taught me like one, two phrases. And so when I use them around Yoruba, people they are like, oh, well done. And so then I feel like I'm in. <laughs>
0: They give you like a little like round of applause. Yeah. Um so thank you, I guess, first of all. Thank you both of you for agreeing to speak to me today. And thank you also um, for bearing with me and my technical difficulties. Um I really, really um appreciate that. Um and you guys contributing um to our, our series this month. Um and I guess we'll get straight into it, but you guys feel free to like lead the discussion. Um the first question um, I have really is, as a community, um, as a black community, what can we do to really immediately like be better allies to, to black disabled people?
1: Well, no, I think it's important that we preface it with the reason why Jamal K and I have had to create something like the Cripple Cripples, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes out of a lack of representation um and unaddressed discrimination that black people and people of color with disabilities face
2: particularly mm.
1: black people right we are a world majority if we think about the population of human beings and let's say about 20 mm. or so of us do have a disability and that we're talking about the world majority black and brown people around the world about 20 percent of us have a disability where are those people we don't see them we may know them individually in little pockets in our families, but we don't talk about it. Um, We're not represented in media, we're not represented in educational spheres, we're not represented even in kind of medical spheres. And so what impact does that have, not only on our outcomes, but on the collective consciousness, right? If I don't see myself represented, I don't know what's possible for me, but also, others who live outside of my experience don't even know that I exist right and Mm. that's the case for a lot of disabled black people they're often isolated they're the only person usually in their circle in their family who has a disability but because of a combination of um media (laughs) suppression of black faces and black diversity um and our inherent you know uh T- the taboo surrounding illness and disability that's a lot of it is rooted in historical context, uh, enslavement. Right? If you are ill, if you cannot do, if you're not robust in the ways that will produce capitalist gain, if you cannot work from sun, from door, sun up to sunset, if you perhaps have a weaker constitution, if you're not built a certain way, all of these things for the men and women who were enslaved, could mean that they were sold off, could mean abuse, could mean torture, could mean death. And so you want to avoid those things. And also if you produce a child that they has any kind of anomaly in terms of when they're born, what the medical terms, birth defect, you do not necessarily want that to be found out because that will mean that you can't produce, because we were being reared like cattle, you cannot produce good stock. And so you will be replaced. How do we replace someone who's just supposed to be a womb, right? A production womb. There are many multiple things that we shall leave to the imagination, but none of them are good. All of them are grim. All of them are inhumane and entirely unfair. And those things, those ideas, those fears, those learned understandings that were there for hundreds of years, they don't just go away overnight, right? And then yeah. you have to think about the socioeconomic situation that black people were left in, not just um, we talk about enslavement a lot without talking about the colonialism that was going on on the continent as well. Right.
2: Yeah. And
1: so what does it mean for you not to be able to produce labor in a particular way? What does it mean for you not to be able to carry the group? Because our survival is literally tied to our ability to do to produce we are we were like the foundation of capitalism in a lot of ways right that idea of just (laughs) producing 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 without actually taking into um consideration okay how does how do we give back to those that are producing like capitalism is like a a vampiric entity Mm. and so what does that how does that then reflect on how we treat members of the group who cannot carry the load what how does it reflect on the members of the group who aren't presenting us as the best so that we can have just that little bit more crumb from the master right and it this is it's a reductive way about of talking about it but those ideas are very deeply ingrained and those if you think about how many generations can pass in 500 years how many generations will be born and die and then you also add religion to it Yeah, the idea of, you know, for a lot of us, the religions that we follow are colonizer religions. They're not necessarily the ones if you want to even say, oh, you know, but there was an original version of Christianity or there was an original version of, you know, Islam that wasn't A, B or C. The ones that we were given, the ones that have kind of uh, overrun um, the places that we are from are the colonizer versions of things. Things Mm. are changed. Things are adapted. Certain parts are focused on. The idea of wretchedness, the idea of God punishing people for things that perhaps they haven't done in order to cover up the inhumane treatment that they were receiving. And that was on purpose, that was created by these enslavers, that was created by these oppressors, but they were dressing it up as some, as God's will, right? So yeah. then, you know, if we think about all of those things in context for hundreds of years and however many generations passed, we come to modern day and black people we don't talk about illness when we are ill when we're feeling pain we mask it we just keep on going because somehow you know we're supposed to just get on with things if someone is ill we hush hush it about we don't really talk about it too tough there's like embarrassment there there's shame there's um religious kind of indoctrination that tells us that there's something evil about it someone is doing us harm because it's wrong it's inherently wrong and all of these things and these expectations of superhumanity from ourselves it makes sense that there is the situation now where black disabled people especially black disabled women because misogynoir is a real thing are completely erased right so in order to talk about how we can be better allies I think it's important that we understand why we are where we are You cannot move forward without looking back. Yeah, what Kim said.
0: Yeah, I was just, I was taking it all in and I think it was really, really um, powerful. I think especially you kind of really broke down why maybe a word like immediately is almost like a naive word to use in this case, because we are confronting um, such a deep and long history um, of ableism In and of itself and then it comes um into contact with so many other legacies whether it be of colonialism and enslavement um as as you've mentioned and these really strong capitalist ideas that you know if i'm not producing then somehow that like defines my worth or my inherent value Mm. um and shame you know because
1: The joke is, like, a lot of our ancestors would have been disabled, not by their own doing, but by the doing of those who were enslaving them, right? There were all sorts of weird punishments that made, and not just the punishments, but the nature of the work they were doing, the arduous toil, the labor, the just the things that they were expected to do and how they were expected to do them. Health and safety, what is that? Do you know what I mean? Like, if you actually think about it, people were having to make sugar from molasses. It, they were having to use, use mills and, you know, all of those things, and that they those things that they were doing in order to produce were also used against them to punish them they were running their hands through the mills in order to punish them for things there were all sorts of they were cutting off their feet they were doing all sorts of things and so actually a large proportion of our ancestors would have become or been made or become disabled because of environmental factors right not to mention the conditions i'm sure lots of things um emerged from that but the fact that that isn't even something we think about or talk about shows just how deeply rooted the ableism is in the community and we have to be very clear that that does not come from us that that depth of it that trying to push it away that definitely does not come from us I and mean, we need to put the onus at the feet of those who created it that's my Patty line, I finished.
2: (laughs) Uh, What I would add onto that is not putting it on their feet, but you know, as I mentioned, you know, Niger, Yoruba, put it on their head. Yeah. Put it on their head. Like just put it on top of their head. Like I'm not going to put it at your feet. No, put
0: it on their head. I love that. I I love that. I think um, that's really interesting for me then, because I guess it sounds to me as if, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like, so then in terms of um, the black community being better allies to black disabled people, it's also a process you're, you're saying that is kind of tied into um, whiteness and how it kind of... Um, dictates a value and so it's not a process that we as a community can undergo independently is that is that kind of what I I could be hearing something very wrong
1: um I'm not saying that we can't undergo things independently um forget the white gaze do you know what I mean but what I'm saying is that we have to have a, a firm understanding of what the situation is right
0: yes agreed um
1: And so it's not that we can't undo these things, but these things, these issues are intertwined with the other issues we're facing. I think often we try and kind of separate the arm from the leg, from the eye, from the eyebrow, like and deal with these things in compartments. But actually, it's all interlinked. All our liberation is interlinked, right? So all of the issues that we're facing, if we're talking about ableism, like fundamentally we're talking about fighting against white supremacist ideas of humanhood white supremacist ideas of beauty white supremacist ideas of um value and all of these things tied into it right and so it's a question of are we cognizant of the things that we're dealing with how many of us are cognizant of the things that we're deal, dealing with and then as we're approaching it we're approaching it with these understandings right we're approaching it knowing that this is all part of the process towards liberation, especially, and this is something Jim and I say all the time about centering the most marginalized people if you are trying to make any kind of tangible change in the world or any community or any um system or whatever. And in the black community, we need to be centering the most marginalized of us in order to create the kind of change that we would like to see happen. Because if you look after the most marginalized you know everyone else benefits as Jamal Keh says like there's no one is going to fall through the gaps and so it's recognizing and I, I don't know what the answer to this particular thing is but it can we get to a place where we can recognize the humanity of those that we have been historically taught to revile? Have, can can we get there do we have the ability to unlearn the things that have been programmed in that respect can we unlearn that because we there's a lot of anti-blackness that and learned anti-blackness and taught anti-blackness eternalized racism that we're facing and that is what a lot of the time makes us unable to or unwilling to recognize the other within our community and often we don't recognize that 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 rejection of the other, that rejection of people who um, we say don't fit within what uh, <laughs> what we know to be, quote unquote, normal, often that is directly a teaching of white supremacy. But it's often dressed up as, oh, it's dressed up as religion, it's dressed up as respectability politics, it's re- dressed up as, you know, all sorts of other things, and it's not recognized at its root.
0: I think that like what you said was so powerful. It made me think of a quote um, by Audre Lorde, which is like, there's, I, I could be like saying it not completely correct, but it's like, there's no such thing as a single issue struggle because we don't live like single issue lives, um, which I think is really relevant um, to what you kind of said, Kim. Did you have anything you wanted to add on that at all?
2: Anything to add? What I will say is, as Kim had mentioned earlier, is that you know all of our freedoms are tied in together. So, as to give a very um, a very recent and still ongoing example, what's happening in like our home nation, you um, and mm. I, is in um, of Nigeria is that um, quite a number of disturbing tweets disturbing but not surprising tweets that I've seen is that, yes, I want liberation for Nigerians, but I don't want it for queer Nigerians. So there's um, a sense of there's a right way to be Black and there's a wrong way to be Black, and we cannot allow ourselves to, for any moment, at any instance, at any intersection side with the oppressors, because how can you be for the liberation of Nigerian people and you can't, and you're not there for the liberation of Nigerians that happen to be queer, that happen to live lives differently to you, and you can replace Nigerian with, you know, the global um, black nation. Shall we say? It doesn't matter, you know, like where they're from. We cannot be for the whole if we're trying to exclude part of that. Then we are only for a select few. And it's like you are aiding this thing that you are trying to fight. And for some, it's a case of they would sooner not be free than to allow those they feel are living life incorrectly or are born incorrectly or are whatever they feel to be incorrectly, um, then for them to be free also. And this is sometimes uh, what's said about um, disability, those that are visibly disabled, right? It's like, hmm, okay, this, and it's of course, a very eugenicist um, view and standpoint that, okay, we can cleanse ourselves almost of the, the subpar of us, of the not quite right of us, of the abnormal of us, and then we can get to this pure whole that we're looking for. Now, if that's not a white supremacist eugenicist view of something, do you get what I mean? And within the um, within the Yoruba within the Yoruba traditional uh, religion, I believe, if I'm not incorrect, um, that it's Obatala that is the the deity for those for disabled people like we literally have a deity for disabled people and i'm sure this isn't um
0: that's so interesting i've never heard of that before
2: yeah like it's not um and this is to say that this isn't something necessarily like Yoruba specific because there's so many um instances in which our traditional religions, you know, we have the same people, but they're called slightly different things, you know. And so being disabled is very much a part of the human experience, as is being queer is very much a part of the human experience. So if we are to be for the liberation for you and I, we have to be for the liberation for you and I in whichever form, shape and um, lived experience that we happen to come in.
0: Mm, I think that's so powerful yeah. and I think, um the things you guys have touched on in terms of, um, there are things I often think about a lot in terms of discrimination in that as a community, we can recognize that like we are disadvantaged in some ways, but then when we are like called upon to recognize how we are um, ableist or homophobic to other black people, it's like a cognitive dis- dissonance that is difficult um to understand. And I think the way you guys have linked it um, with um, respectability politics and the internalized um, white supremacist ways of thinking is is really important. The next question I have for you guys is, who are important black British disabled voices from history that you feel have been overlooked or forgotten?
1: um for me i think uh the important thing to mention is that every single um black disabled person in history is important right and 100% should have been remembered and should be remembered um a lot of our ancestors <laughs> had as i said before been impacted severely by and their environment um yeah as well as probably had conditions and all sorts of things and some we will never know right and i think one of the things that i'm trying in my later life to not do is feed into exceptionalism okay i love because yeah because i feel like this idea of oh no but you know let's point to these not to say that the 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 input or the triumphs or the stride that certain individuals have made, often not by themselves, but because we're all a community, right, and it takes a whole load of people to make one thing happen, but not to say that their their contributions aren't um, noteworthy, but In order, at least for me, in order to kind of combat the idea that, oh, look, here's a token good black, you know, so we're worthy because this person did this outstanding, unbelievable thing in the face of all the adversity in the world. And, you know, therefore they deserve accolade, therefore they deserve Mm. recognition. I think I'm trying to push back against that because it feeds into the idea that we need to prove our worthiness by and our value within this particular environment and system. But also it means that those of us who may, it it feeds into the idea that those of us who may not have done A, B or C don't necessarily have as much value or should not be remembered. Mm. Um, and so for me, like though there are yes, there of course there are people you can mention, um, I would definitely mention my grandparents because without them I would not be here. Oh. Um, may their souls rest in peace and all of the, you know.
0: Elders. Oh, sure.
1: Um but I think for me that's that's where I sit. Um Oh, there are some amazing people, and then the on the other on the extreme other end of it, I'm also like give people their flowers whilst they're alive. There yes. are so many people alive right now who are doing amazing things. Whether that's, um, I think her name is uh, J- Julie J. Is it Julie Jacobs Jay? Um, Julie
2: J. Aj- um, no, Julie J. Charles.
1: Julie J. Charles. Yeah, I don't so know used to be J. part of the
2: Equalities National Council, which mm. unfortunately is no more during um, the hit of COVID, but has started um, a new organisation called Start Change, which yeah. is really, really good, yeah.
1: So even someone like them, um, someone like Marsha de Cordova, someone like, um, there's this amazing, amazing um, woman that I know who is just I don't I don't know anyone more phenomenal actually as a person who has the heart that they do for um not just disabled people but disabled black people but for black people in general and for diaspora and has a vision of Pan Africanism that rivals that of the forefathers who had their conference here back in the day, you know. Mm-hmm. Um their name is Jamoke Abdulai. I don't know if you've heard oh of them. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and it's true. Give people their flowers. There are so many people we could name. You know, whether that's Katush Gol or whether that. Mm. You know, she
0: is incredible. Too. She's
1: yeah. she's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, we right. We love Katush. Yeah. Katush. Whenever Katush um, speaks, whenever she writes something, it will always be not only informative and thought provoking, but it's always challenging it's always a challenge it always forces you to expand um and the level of kind of intellect and reasoning skill that she has and her ability to convey concepts is like it's uh, to me i haven't encountered many people who have that mm. ability and have that skill mm. um and with such poi and calm you know she's she's um quite phenomenal but yeah there, there are so many people we could name right um and and maybe that naming is also important because disabled people are erased, disabled black people have been erased historically. Perhaps it is necessary to mention their names in that way. Vanessa Wallace, she's the Paralympian, she's also an amazing um Jamaican baby girl. Like yes. there are people we can mention and um, that perhaps Caroline we should. Nelson. Yeah, yes. Caroline Nelson Caroline from, from Chosen Hackney. Mm. Yes. Um so it's important yes i guess on the to contradict my own philosophy in this res- respect because of and that's the thing about nuance right because we've been historically erased and often where we do exist our disabilities if someone is excellent at something and they're black their disability is often hidden in order to fit in with the respectability politics of presenting themselves as the best kind of black, you know, the untainted black, the black that is palatable to white whiteness and meets the standards of what white people think an excellent black buck or an excellent black sow should be, right? Um, and so, they're they're if they do have disabilities, it's hidden or it's hush hush or whatever. If they're a single parent, it's hush hush. If it's you know, all those things. Um, so I think yes, perhaps we do need to just have a list and name and say the names of all of the disabled black people in Britain who have made inroads and maybe that's something that we can work on collating that list and kind of making it um a known thing
2: yeah and that's something we're trying to do with the triple cripples as well like Mm. it's a lifelong Mm. you know goal and dream of ours just to have this body of work almost like this quite literal living archive to give people their flowers, you know, while they're, um, while they're here and also just have it be something beautiful, you know? Cause so often, whenever Blackness is discussed, whenever Black people are discussed, there's so much pain. There's just so much hurt, there's so much blood, there's just so much mm. anguish. So to have this body of work that is beautiful, that, you know, centers Black disability in the ways that, we should feel that it should be, um, celebrated and honored and have its place, you know, within the legacies of disability and also within the legacies of, you know, blackness within black history, because it is a part of that. And we have to, um, we have to recognize that.
0: Mm. I think, um, what was said in terms of that tension between like the violence that, um, Black excellence, or this like, but um, I think the term you used was black exceptionalism. Exceptionalism, yeah, yeah it does to us as as individuals in terms of, well, no, not not. Um, it would be wrong of me to centre myself here, but does to people, um, in general, and I guess particularly um black marginalised communities such as um, disabled black people, um, the violence that that does, um is important to recognize and there is not perhaps attention, but at the same time it is important to to um give people their flowers while they're here because so often people are doing amazing things um and and it's not until they go or something that everyone's like it was amazing um but yeah I think those are like all really really interesting points I guess the next question I have is what what is needed um so that it might be that this might lead to a similar response to my last question and if so like please go ahead um but what what is needed um other than a real a real need to recognize uh what we are up against in terms of history uh, 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 an intense uh, an intense and heavy history of um ableism that is linked to white supremacy and and capitalism um what is needed so a bold black british future includes the black disabled community
2: well definitely you have to start it by including disabled black people i think that's that's the best place to start because um so often and for so long as kim has mentioned it's just kind of like being black and being disabled is, you know, so often seen as the antithesis to black excellence is that because this is not excellence, this is what we are trying to do away with to come away from. And um, I think I was on Twitter, um, I mean, I live on Twitter, so this should be unsurprising to nobody. But, I also um,
0: live on the internet, like, do you know what I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> and I believe, um, Actually, Toby, the wonderful baby girl from um, Black Ballad, um, had been, I believe, joining in a conversation, talking about how we should, as much as we can, try to edge away and kind of like Remove ourselves away from trying to be the very first of something because that is another tool of white supremacy. It's the case of, like, oh, the very first black person to do this, the very first black person to do that, the very first, etc., etc., etc. And as Kim had rightly mentioned earlier, like, no man is an island. We do nothing by ourselves. We are aided, we are assisted, we are helped by, you know, those um, that are around us and so often just because we proclaim somebody to be the first doesn't necessarily mean that They were the first. I mean, Chris Columbus, you know, claimed that, you know, he had discovered America. You can't discover a place where there are already people there. So it's another tool. White supremacy has lots and lots of tools, which is why in order to fight white supremacy, we have to fight it with absolutely everything we have. And we have to be creative and ingenious as well, because you cannot fight this behemoth at just one angle. You have to fight it at all angles at all times. Um, And it's a case of... We have to relish and celebrate the fact that we are interdependent. We need one another. And especially, you know, as Black people, we have a gruesome, unfortunately, shared history brought about um, through colonialism. But it's a case of we are each other's keeper. Yeah. We need to look after each other if we are to make it, essentially. And by make it, I don't mean just surviving. I mean to actually thrive. And I don't mean to thrive to be um, considered excellent in terms of how much money we have in our bank account or how many baskets we can make, which are all well and good, but it's a case of we can just be like, we can just be black and that would be okay. That would be enough. And it's something that's been said that we should also be able to, you know, like celebrate um, black mediocrity. For me, no black person is mediocre. I mean, except for black Tories. But anyway. Um... <laughs> That's another
0: story. May, the tea, you know the, tea the shade was just peppered in there. The I love it that. And it was, now, just a bit, it was just a little bit of a garnish. It was just almost a like a salt bit. bay. I felt that. That was very elegant Let me <laughs> add
2: a little bit more garnish. The amount of these cats that are Yoruba, <laughs> A, yeah, be sensible, true. be sensible. Anyway. Um, uh... it's a... <laughs> Bruh um yeah it's a case of we need to celebrate you know the fact that we are each other and it's like i am because we are we cannot do this alone and we have to lean into one another and pull our resources together and take comfort and joy in one another so we can cry together and we can laugh together and we can win together and there won't be any division because I am not Igbo or you are not Yoruba. This person is not Garney, and that one isn't this. It's like no, we're all in this together because we are all black.
0: A hundred percent. That's okay. oh,
2: sorry.
1: No, no, no. I was just gonna say, like, Jamal care for president. <laughs>
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> no, and it and it it that right. It's rejecting this me myself and I thing that is a very very it's so um,
0: pervasive in our culture I think. yeah
1: and it's it's a western thing though like it's a very western mm-hmm. thing we're not where a community raises a child people these people are a nuclear family kind of thing like we are a people who is like okay if something's going wrong in the community let's all go and have a community meeting like first of all the first thing i'd be thinking as a modern day black person is oh, everybody in my business do you know what i mean but yeah. the way in which that understanding that if a discord in one house could be a problem for everyone in the community, that even that concept, right? Like being able to just grab back onto that and kind of, and it's not to say that things should be the same, because I, I very much believe that in um, advancement, I very much believe that we should learn from our ancestors, and adapt so that we can make their systems better. You are supposed to be an improvement on your ancestor, right? You're not supposed to go and say, okay, well, this is the the way things have always been done. And every time we do this, something breaks, but you know what, it's always been done this way. So you're supposed to go, okay, how do we stop that thing from breaking? Because this other part of it is really good. So how do we adapt this or make it more expansive or make it so that there's something to catch the thing that breaks? And then the next generation will be like, okay, how about we create the thing out of, something that won't break when it drops and then the next generation will be like, oh, but we can just replace that thing altogether or skip that step and we'll still have this amazing result. And I think that's what it's supposed to be like. And to Jamal Ker's point about us seeing each other as one, um some of that and some of that in terms of um and I guess to answer some of your question as well is then is us being able to Tony Morrison talked about the white gaze, right? And I feel like a lot of us are so tied into it. Our perceptions, not just of self, but each other are so tied into whiteness's perception of us, right? And this comparison, this comparative thing that happens, not just of how what. Us comparing ourselves to um, white people in terms of an inferiority thing and what they've achieved and what they what they have despite the fact that what they have has been built l- quite literally upon our backs, using our blood and sweat as mortar and our tears you know to drink there is there is also the element of us kind of trying to see what they might in us and trying to meet these expectations that they might have right and true black autonomy would mean freeing ourselves from those shackles it'd mean being able to imagine ourselves as diverse and wonderful and beautiful in and of ourselves by our own definition right And by our own definition, being able to see ourselves as beautiful and wonderful by our own definition would also mean healing the wounds that have caused us to see ourselves as less than beautiful, to see those of us who don't fit white supremacist body ideals as you know, as undeserving and undesirable and therefore should not be seen or heard. Like it would, it would counteract all of those things if we are able to heal those wounds because those wounds also fuel this kind of being very aware of the white gaze and kind of catering towards um, whiteness in that way. And so if we're able to heal that, we'll move automatically into a place of black autonomy that, is, that defines itself that recognizes itself for the first time we'll be able to see each other really see each other um I I feel like sometimes right now we can't see one another we understand the idea of the other as a concept through these lines of divide that were created for us by whiteness oh I know that person is another black person because their skin is dark and I know that they're from this place called Nigeria or they're from this place called um, Angola or this, this from this place called Jamaica or whatever. And we've got all of these, we've got all of this, these, this terminology that isn't even our own. Mm. <laughs> not even our own. Because we
0: don't even choose the names of these places. No. So right. It goes so deep. Yeah.
1: And so we are not defining ourselves in almost all the ways that are necessary. Even the words and the language that we use to describe our features and our hair and all of these things, it's not, we're not even speaking our own languages. So there is so much work to be done. But if we start removing the idea of, and maybe it's the respectability politics thing. I don't know. Maybe it's that idea of, okay, what would white people think about this situation? Mm -hmm. And therefore that dictating our level of shame or our level of comfort or our level of pride or our level of whatever because that is, I think, a guiding principle for most of us. Like, And that's why we allow white supremacy to tell us that one black person doing something or 10 black people doing something is an indictment upon all black people.
0: Yeah. It's
1: because we are constantly, we not only is that portrayed to us that somehow that's the truth, but we also perpe- believe it, imbue it, perpetuate it, right? We go, okay, well, you know, oh, don't do that. You're letting the side down, son. You're letting the side. And, And it's like, we are so diverse. And I'm not, this is not me discounting the fact that what you see you become in the sense that if you see enough of one particular type of thing you feel that's all you're capable of if you it's also not me discounting the programming that go the social engineering that goes into like funneling black children and black people into particular avenues it's not me discounting the school to prison pipeline which is very real um it's not me discounting any of those other factors that cause us to go oh please don't do that so that because we know how white people are going to react to it but it's it's me saying that instead of saying oh we know how white people are going to feel it should be okay this isn't good for us let's fix this for us and it's it's a slight shift but it means everything because all of a sudden your worry your care your concern is not for that of your oppressor. It's for it's for you. It's for each other, and it's to community. that thing that Jamal is talking about, right? That we are not islands. It's suddenly, suddenly, instead of me thinking about how something is going to look, I'm going to be thinking about how something is going to feel and mm. how it's going to affect us, how it's going to affect our family because we are family, and that shift will make me think of different solutions. For the problems that exist as opposed to the ones that we have created the solutions we've created that really remedy the perception of us from others that's not our problem what someone thinks mm. about you is not your problem oh that's if you would like problem. to preach absolutely. today <laughs> absolutely people's opinion <laughs> of
2: you are not your business the choir said
1: amen um, yeah. No, it's really not. And so I, I guess in end it's like okay, Kim, but what practical thing? That's the practical thing. The practical thing is definitely being like, Okay and no swearing allowed, but you know, um forget what these men think in any given Another situation.
0: <laughs> yes. Forsake
1: the white supremacist gaze. You know? Four letters. One vow. Yeah. <laughs> because um, that 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 is that is the key to not only our liberation but our unification. Um mm. Because then when we're looking at other black people, we'll be looking at them with eyes of compassion and eyes of understanding. We won't be looking at a black person who might may be not dressed the way we think sh- they should dress. or you know, it, you could make an effort. All of this kind of, all of these ideas. Yeah. Why do they need to make an effort to leave the house? Why? What, and what, what does what does effort mean? And, and mm. what does looking... What does looking presentable mean, and why? And why should that affect you? And why do? You, and and it feeds into you know everything. And instead of looking at them like that, we'll just see them. Just see a person as opposed to see a representative to the 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 uh, the audience of whiteness that we all leave. We all leave our houses every single day in white majority nations with the heavy burden of being of performing for this in visible, vast audience. Mm. And if we were able to imagine, can you imagine the freedom and the lightness and the space in your mind and your heart and your spirit that you would have if you weren't constantly always hyper aware, of every single move you make, or everything you say, how you say it, where you go, the type of education you have, what you wear, how your hair needs to be, all of these things, in order to, you know amuse or cater to this audience. Like if you weren't dedicating so much space to that, what could you be doing? What cool. could we be doing? What you could you be creating? What could you be achieving? And I don't mean achieving as in capitalist gain, I just mean achieving. Learning about yourself is achieving yeah. all of that brain space. could be dedicated to becoming a better person becoming less ableist becoming but we're so consumed with the performance of self right in the world
0: Mm. I think I feel like my questions were like um how can the black community be less ableist and I feel like you girls um, you women, sorry, I didn't mean that in a derogative, derogative no, way. No, it's, okay. it's okay. We baby it's okay. it's okay. I still want to be a girl yeah. for as long
1: as I can.
0: Yes, baby, <laughs> girl, <laughs> baby, girl, hold baby on girls. women, incredible. <laughs> Infants,
1: um, please. Let's, let's yeah. also...
0: <laughs> Kim um, said,
1: it's me, your favourite zygote.
0: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> for everyone. But I feel like you have come with, like, more than that, you've come with like a, a, almost a manifesto, a manifesto, sorry, for freedom, for liberation. It makes me think so much of um, the quote um, that I've kind of, it's a quote from Audre Lorde because for me, like I'm completely in awe of her and it's like, there is no um, liberation without community. Um, And this idea of all of our freedom being tied up in, in each other's freedom, and yeah, so I just I feel like my questions were like, how can Black people be less ableist? And your you guys have responded, um, just completely thought bigger and widened the scope in a really beautiful way that has really made me think and reflect because you really are saying that you really have demonstrated how ableism is just really tied into um, oppression um, on a on a larger scale um and so it's not as simple as that step it's like you have to almost zoom out and 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 think bigger in order to tackle um those steps because i think sometimes as well like um you can perform inclusiveness but not fundamentally really um I don't know if I'm making sense. Maybe I'm just waffling. Um, no, but no yeah. you're yeah. making sense. <laughs> you're like, I was
2: ready to, like, pick up the gems you're going to yeah. have as I go for it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's
0: like, you can perform inclusivity, but it's still, it's still performing. It's still, like, it, it mm-hmm. looks good to be inclusive. But it's like, you still, at the end of the day, kind of go home and are, like, quite cruel to yourself and quite yeah. cruel to others. And, um mm. I can't link it to a specific thing, but it, it, as you guys were speaking, I just came back to like, it's grace. It's grace for ourselves. It's grace for each other mm. um, and yeah. just grace. Um, so yeah, thank you so yeah. much. I think, I mean, I, I expected to learn um, so much from both of you and um, have learned infinitely so much that I will have to listen again and and um, <laughs> you know like rethink because even being here once is not enough um there is another question but I wonder again if it's it's from my small scale thinking um but I think but what I will
2: say actually to Thinking about small-scale thinking, big-scale thinking. Um, yeah. Kim and I had the um, the pleasure and the honor, um, I think a couple of months ago or something, to have a conversation uh, with a wonderful baby girl, um, Diamond Styles from Marsha's Plate. And it was a case of talking about thinking bigger. So for those within the margins, so for those that have been pushed completely out to the edge, those that are queer, those that are fat, those that are disabled, those that are dark-skinned, those that are pushed to the sides because of their religion, whatever it might be, that of course you think bigger, of course you look at the bigger picture because you've been so far removed from the center, you can see the whole actual thing. So it's not a case of, um, disabled people or like trans people, queer people having to um, figure out and like fight for the crumbs of maybe trying to get housing, trying to get this, whatever. It's yeah. like, no, let's build, let's build homes for one another. Let's build spaces that are filled with love and compassion and acceptance and just all of these wonderful things for one another. And it's only those within the margins that can actually see that big. So Mm. it's not a case of you are thinking small because it's just kind of like, oh, you just need to do better. But the further you are away from the center, the bigger the picture gets and how vast and huge that you can think. Like these things can actually be changed on a grand scale, which is why you're not going to get the best ideas from those that are non-disabled, from those that are white, from those that are men, from those that are cisgendered because they've never needed to concern themselves with these things. You have to ask the people that are so often at the point of violence, that are so often, like it's not a case of you, people are falling through the cracks. I promise you this, right here, right now, you are being pushed. It is not an accident. So we need to talk to and include and center those at the margins to actually get the full picture, to get the brightest picture and to actually mm. live vibrant lives that we are all deserving of
0: yeah yeah I love that so beautiful <sighs> um, <sighs> this is I why I
1: said what I said about her you know isn't it? this is you why. were
0: right you were spitting facts both God. of you preaching you look came to preach this evening and I'm here with my bible <laughs> yeah all we do is notes. give salmon. just someone <laughs> <get salmon. laughs> it's honestly it's incredible I think and and like i think it resonates um so deeply and i think it's so true in terms of our best ideas our best hopes for us as an entire community it's not it's not a benevolent thing to include the most marginalized because the most marginalised have vision um, yes. and insight that we, we don't, could even imagine. and it, it, it's the only way that we can be our richest as a community. It's not like a benevolent thing, like these people have been marginalised, so let's include them or you know, let's ask them. It's not a case of that. It's this, yeah. the, this is where the hope of our community lies. Yeah. With yes, the people with yes. the widest vision. Yeah. And yes, the biggest, because yes, yes. I often I often feel just, just being a black woman, that like wanting, anything for myself often is audacious do you know mm. what i mean mm. just just like usual things it feels audacious um just by virtue of being black and a woman so th- yeah. the more you marginalized should
2: be audacious we need audacity
0: mm. 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 but yeah no really 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 um powerful stuff I, I thank you again um i guess the last the last question i had um was just something Um, that I think is in general has been because I mean 2020 has been um, a year where unfortunately I feel like police brutality or brutality against black people has really been you know at the forefront has really been so so present and felt I think very painful for a lot of us um, even here in the UK um and i think something that is not really mentioned in that discussion is um again like how how um disproportionately um disabil- disabled people um are are victims of police um brutality. Um, and it, I don't really think that there have been and I, I guess it's always dangerous to say that, like nobody's been thinking about it because there will, will always be organisations that have been doing incredible work that I, I just won't know about. But um, I don't think in mainstream, we've really considered um, specifically um, how the violence that police do towards um disabled people due to lack of training and um, and lack of knowledge and i i guess maybe it's a silly question but does that surprise you that that um that conversation as far as i'm aware anyway hasn't been had um, in the mainstream
1: um i th- i'm i'm not surprised um for all of the reasons that we started off talking about right about the um active erasure of um, black disabled people from any narrative, but also black people aren't, so disabled people, sorry, are generally in these societies, not cared about in in any way, shape or form, though there are people say, oh no, but there are things in place to help them. And there are things in place to uh, assuage the guilt of the well-meaning masses you know there's there are things in place to allow these uh, poor cripples to survive you know at least you have some food on your table be it little or be it breadcrumbs you know it's that kind of they've got that kind of attitude towards them oh look at them they're allowed they can get onto one of them can get on through the bus at a time that's <laughs> Wonderful for them. How are you having a nice day out? It's that kind of thing that they extend to disabled people. Yeah, because they're not necessarily seen as people, right? As whole individuals who deserve mm. to experience the full array of life and emotions and um, participate as equal members of society, right? So if that's already the case for disabled people in general, and this for white disabled people, those who are not born into the seat of privilege. I don't know what the experience is for those who are born into the seat of privilege, though they ha- they will probably have access to more things that allow them to participate in life. But for the majority of um, disabled people, that is their, their reality is that they are expected to survive, not thrive, not live, not not enjoy. And so that's why when they do, it's like an anomaly. It's like, oh, wow, what are, you, what are you doing? Oh, you clever monkey. Like it's that kind of attitude when you see a monkey playing an instrument that someone's kind of abused for ages in order to get it to do so. Like it's, mm. it's that kind of reaction as opposed to, well, no, of course, that's supposed to be normal. Of course, you're supposed to experience the fullness of life. Um, And of course, you're supposed to experience also the the hardships that we all experience as well. You're supposed to be an equal participant. No one's saying that disabled people are supposed to be living um, lives of (laughs) luxury, though I feel like for some of us, like the experiences that we have with our illnesses alone, please just let us live. Mm. But in the sense that that is the case for the general disabled populace, um and it's not long ago that disabled people were institutionalized people forget this that it's not long ago in british history that's not far away where they were locked away and put in institutions okay Mm. what does that mean if you add the intersection of blackness immediately immediately it means less visibility so if we if you know a disabled person who was um got attacked by or was happened to be in the fray when something went on between law enforcement. There might be some because there are kind of disabled lobbying groups and all these kinds of things. I don't know about lobbying groups, but disabled organizations that are there to kind of represent um, disabled people and their needs and kind of advocate on their behalf. Mm. um, There might be some kind of uproar. There might be some kind of, you know, media coverage or something. Bearing in mind that most of the people on the boards for all of these kind of disability organizations are white, for a black disabled person, most of the time you're not necessarily connected to any of those organizations because access isn't just about being able to get into a room, it's also about who you know and the services you're connected to and the opportunities you have. Mm. Black people in general are in information, there's an information deficit amongst people of color, but particularly black people there's an information and access deficit when it comes to social mobility and all of those things There there are so many things that we are not um, included in or aware of and information that is gate kept from us
2: mm. purposefully
1: even that which that is supposed to help us that we are deserving of mm. and by the way we are deserving of everything because my ancestors didn't come to come and suffer for their their fatigue to still be in my bones for you to say to me I'm, I don't deserve something anyway So there's already that, right? And then you've got to think, okay, so there's no representation in terms of someone's not going to necessarily come to the aid of a disabled Black person who's in the fray, but their Blackness also makes them, that it criminalizes them, right? Because there's the stereotype of Black criminality um, that has been orchestrated and kind of perpetuated for years and years and years in the media. Media, powerful tool, right? Yeah. And then if you even add femhood or being perceived as a woman to it well black women are supposed to be able to bear the brunt of life's ill and shut their mouths and get on with it and look after master's children and look and carry on doing their jobs and and their work and any pain they feel of course they don't feel pain they're animals right because we used to operate on them without anesthesia and that's how we got our whole gynecological medical theory because we used to operate on these women without anesthesia because they don't feel pain because they're akin to animals but animals feel pain because we have whole organizations dedicated Mm -hmm. to protecting animals so if you think about it like that of course they're not necessarily going to um think there is any importance in covering black disabled people being brutalized at the hands of police and so that's from the whites that's from from the the system and white folks and everything but from our side of things based on everything we've talked about, even the kind of the embarrassment about, you know, and the the shame and the taboo surrounding disability, drawing attention to that thing, drawing attention to that incident, we're still thinking about the white gaze and how this disabled black person makes us look. Because what we want is to have a Oxford student male well-dressed a heading to a first-class degree been given a scholarship for a doctorate already before he even finished his first-class degree Mm -hmm. who got stopped by the police when he was wearing a suit and tie and was on his way to his part-time job as an investment banker who the police (laughs) brutalized with his lovely um 2.4 children perhaps hopefully the woman is an exotical and then you know we, we want we want that image because that in itself will make us all, even though like the situation is janky, it will make us all look better because we need we don't want someone to make us look bad because they already think badly of us. What's it mean if we're now I'm in the corner of this kind of disabled person who, you know, perhaps isn't doing all of those things that we consider to be advancement, we consider to be respectable, we consider to be successful, we consider to be a, a good representation of us as a whole because one person represents us all, right? Um, and and we've bought into that tokenism. So no, we're not necessarily gonna rally behind them as hard as we would a, a non-disabled Black person. And if we we might even rally behind a, dis, a non-disabled Black person, male who perhaps is from the inner city, who, I mean, uh, aren't we all from the inner city? Anyway, uh, who perhaps is from what we can, what in the media is called the inner city, who may not have had the right opportunities, who we know is affected by the um, school to prison pipeline, we might rally behind them because they represent an image of this hard done by black man that mm. we can stand by as well. How often do you hear people rallying around black women like full stop forget disability that very rarely happens because black women yeah black women aren't rally behindable do you know what i mean they're not where we're not even counted like and and there's there's even within our ranks there is this this idea that black men are the victims of all white supremacy black women are not and so if we are talking about black issues we need to center black men despite the fact that black women are experiencing higher rates of domestic violence and femicide than any of their counterparts. And it's not at the hands of white supremacists, it's at the hands of black men. That one in three black girls before they are 18 or something like that has experienced, there's been sexually assault. Most of the assault we experience is intra-racial. Those things in addition. And so, and it's not just that because the fact that you are not cared about within your own kind of, Um, community, gives other communities license to disrespect and line step because they know no one is coming to back you. So then you're also going to experience high rates of abuse outside of your race as well. Yes, race is a construct, but we all know what it means. Right. We have been using these terms and we understand what they mean. So as a black woman, those are the things. And then you add disability to it. Disabled people are five times more, disabled femmes are five times more likely to experience sexual violence and domestic abuse. But if we already do not consider disabled people and we imbue the culture that we live in, right? We, We adapt and Assimilate to some of the cultural ideas that exist in our environment, and if we know disabled people, a aren't good enough based on what what white supremacists are practicing and what whiteness is practicing and what the West is practicing, we already know they're not good enough. And then we've got our own issues associated with that. And then we also know that women are second-class citizens and kind of have it coming to them when it comes to certain things like domestic violence and and rape and abuse. And maybe they should dress better. And then we're also now adding blackness to it, which we know is reviled globally like well of course you're not going to hear about anything I lie like what are you going to hear about what when and who is going to care and why would you how how do you how do you expect for like and and even our perceptions of feminism even if let's say there's a black feminist organization that wants to talk about it I've already told you that black women are belligerent and crazy so even if they're talking about it they're just loud and you know just. Making themselves victims, even though they're not because they can't feel any pain and they're just aggressive for no reason, um, and so, like all of these things play into the reasons why we don't hear about disabled people experiencing brutality and violence at the hands of um authority figures, not just police, it's not just police mm.
0: yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right, I think, um yeah, who do we see as human, who do we see as Who's feeling pain, who do we see full stop? I think um all of those questions kind of tie into why that is upsetting and terrible but not surprising. Did you want to add anything um No,
2: nah, my baby said it all
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jamaica <Thanks>. out here. <laughs> Thank you so much, um, both of you for your precious time. I really, really appreciate it. Um I really, really appreciate also the way that you have um so so I don't know whether to say pertinently, eloquently, convincingly, although it's not like I need a convincing, but just explained how our freedom is tied up in in all of each other and it's mm. not it's not it's it, it, ableism is is a manifestation in that there are many manifestations of the way that we are cruel to each other um mm. and cruel to and also the way that we are cruel to ourselves mm. um i think that is something that's really resonated with me during this conversation and definitely something that i'm gonna go away and and reflect on very very deeply um oh, well we're glad thank you um so so much I don't know if any if either of you had any closing thoughts or things you wanted to add um let me let me have a think
1: I I just want to say this has been a great conversation I realize that we've we've said a lot of stuff I think it's very important to just state that Kim is not an ex on um, the solutions for Black issues. Jamal Care is not an issue on the solutions for Black issues, but what we can do is all of us together, collectively, collaboratively work together to make our environments and our communities a better place. We start. You have to start from the corner where you are, right? Oh. Um, we don't presume to have all the answers for anything, but what we can do is share what we have And you can share what you have and someone else shares what they have. And then we're able to collate things and work together and move slowly. And look, it didn't take us overnight to get here. So it's going to take us a long time to get to where we'd like to be. And there is no destination, by the way. Like Mm. improvement and progression is the continuum. It's not a... (laughs) <laughs> there's no there's no the finish GPS line the GPS doesn't
0: say you have now arrived at yeah your destination.
1: thank you there's no final line and new uh, you know I was talking to someone today and they said to me new um, solutions or new um states of being create new problems right so we're always going to have to be working on something but it's very important that we recognize how far we've come I think there's a lot of people are very despondent and feeling especially with everything going on in the world feeling the weight of it and feeling like god when you know like when what when why 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 all always forever like my parents were talking about these issues my grandparents were talking about these issues mm. i've read about these issues but what we fail to recognize it's like if you spend a month with yourself and you're eating i don't know mcdonald's five times a day you might not recognize that apart from your clothes that you're putting on weight Do you know what i mean because yeah. you you see yourself every day and it's the same with the kind of idea of us making changes. Like when we're making changes, the changes feel tiny. It feels super slow. But if I actually think about the fact that it's just slavery is not is not more than a few generations away from me, I dare say three maximum. And so if I think about that situation and I, I always, you know, slavery isn't that far away in general. I think they try and make it seem like it's prehistoric time, but it's really not. Um, But if I think about the fact that we're even here able to have this conversation, if I think about the situations that perhaps some of my ancestors had never envisioned or imagined, Mm. this is very much progress. And Black people have made exponential progress in the shortest amount of time because it took hundreds of years to uncivilize us, right? Because we were civilized before people found us. Like they came to learn from us in order to civilize themselves. We civilized them and then they came and <laughs> scattered their it. teachers. You better tell you know them, I mean? yes, no, they came and scattered the place that they ca- they learned from because they recognized the power there, right? And so we have to we look a lot has happened in a short space of time because if everything that even the fact that we even know anything about our history or our cultures is a miraculous thing because there was the time when we were being prevented from learning from from reading from talking to each other if we shared the same language like there are so many things that were obstacles we've been prevented from accessing health prevented from accessing even leisure activities prevented from walking in certain places prevented from even forming proper relationships with each other deprived of resources whether that human resources whether that's um economic resources even forgetting economy even agricultural resources being able to own anything like there are so many things that we've been deprived of but look at where we are now and i'm not talking about black billionaires that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking Mm -hmm. about even being cognizant of self and under being able to recognize each other and even you know that spud that one where you see a black person you raise your head all of that even being able to acknowledge each other in some senses without fear being able to say you know what let me go back home that's that's privilege talking but even some of that you know and being able to be like you know what let me try and reclaim what has been stolen and taking being able to eat each other's food and recognize each other's cultures like we have, and that is just in the space of the last hundred years maximum. What? we? It took them hundreds of years to try and take this out of us. And look where we are, please. No one can tell me anything, you know. No one can tell me anything. Black people are amazing. We are wonderful. We are wonderful. Period. Yes,
2: amen. And I've had a chance to think now, and here's what I have. Um, It's not going to be quite as wonderful and powerful as Kim, but I'll do my best. Um, I think um, the takeaway is that we cannot discount the um, supreme power of community. Actually, and yes. I will give um, myself and um, the triple cripples as an example. Like for so long, Kim and I had lived, you know, very separate lives, um, but um, we'd found each other and created triple cripples and created this platform and created this community and it's a case of I can you know wholeheartedly say that my life has certainly been um, enriched by knowing and you know forming a sisterhood with Kim and it's in these it's in these relationships that we form and that it's in these communities that we build that you are actually able to continue. Because what's going on in the world right now, here in the UK, where they refuse are refusing essentially to feed um, the poorest children in Nigeria, trying to end SARS and SWAT, and generally just stop being killed in Namibia, in Cameroon, in Congo. Congo is bleeding. And so many other places around the world, we need our communities to keep us going. Because mm. these battles that we are trying to face they are they are humongous they are arduous and they are very long and they will require so much of us but if we have if we can find home in one another if we can find home in our communities it gives us that boost that we require Mm. to keep going and it's like him said there is not a destination it will continue it Mm. will continue and it is a continuum but it's a case of Do we have enough energy, enough love, enough compassion for one another to keep going? And we can only find that in our communities. That's Mm. been shown by um, Marcus Rashford and all the people, you know, up and down um, the country that have said, no, we're going to feed the children. It's been Mm. shown by the youth in Nigeria, by those that have essentially created a government in what was what was it, like two weeks or something? Mm. It's been created by so many people all around the world that you have these communities that are able to keep you going because that's mm. the only way that we can push forward. We need each other and we can rely on each other. And um, yeah, don't discount community.
0: 100%. I think community is something that's really key and um, yeah, it's it's only through each other really that, that we can we can strive together towards any semblance of freedom. Mm. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Again, just want to th- say thank you so much. I have been so enriched by this com- conversation, um, and I'm so thankful to both of you for your for your time um, and for your um contribution to what it means what what it means to to strive towards a bold black British future um for all of us. So thank you. Uh,
2: thank, thank you, you for having this. us. And thank yes. you to um,
0: everyone who um, has listened to this episode. I really appreciate you. Um, this month we have spoken to a range um, of voices um from different communities and asked them what it means um for us to really embrace a bold black british future um and we've had things come up around spatial justice we've had things come up about community building um twice actually so i think there's something really important to be said in that we've had things come up about um looking to our ancestors and, and not forgetting the, the greatness that has come before us. So I'm thankful to every single person that has contributed. Um, and I hope that in um, some small way um, listening to people's contributions will help you to um, feel comfortable to to step into a bold um, future for yourself, whatever that entails and whatever that means. Um, but I think what i've learned personally anyway is um for myself that is so tied up into us into we um and into community so thank you and goodbye